and boom, just like that, we are back. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Belanger. Today's episode is brought to you by Generous United. Generous United is a membership-based buying group headquartered right here in Atlantic, Canada. Their goal is to make sure prescription drugs are more affordable so you can live a healthier life through this pandemic. I know you want to think that we're out of this pandemic, but not so quickly. One thing I love that Generous United is doing right now is that they're helping out smaller companies that maybe can't afford health care for their employees. If you can save money in one aspect of health care, whether it be dental, massage, acupuncture, whatever it is, as long as you can save money in one aspect, you're going to be able to afford other aspects. So head on over to generousunited.ca, that's G-E-N, rusunited.ca and see if there's anything that they can be doing for you, a loved one, a family member, a co-worker, doesn't matter who, we can all be benefiting from the services over at Generous United. Today on the High Button Podcast, we have Brad Hartland. Brad is the best in the biz around here in Halifax when it comes to card grading. We recently had Dale Hubley on the podcast, a local uh, hockey memorabilia collector, and we actually got to talking about cards and how card grading works out and I said I'd love to have someone on the podcast that uh, that knows what they're doing when it comes to grading cards and someone actually reached out to us on our Instagram page uh, saying that Brad was the best in the business so we got his email we sent him uh, a message and he agreed to come on the podcast so I'm excited to talk about Brad and hear about the business of card grading we all know it's booming whether it's sports cards Pokemon I don't know what other type of cards there are but the industry is booming so I'm excited to talk to Brad it's going to be a great episode I'm Justin we're talking to Brad Hartland this is is the High Button Podcast. Here we go. You know what comes next. Oh, Mr. Brad Hartland, thank you very much for joining the podcast. How are you? Great, thanks. My pleasure. Oh, I'm, I'm very grateful to have uh, have you in the in the podcast in the in the sh- in the studio. Excuse me, in the middle of a pandemic, just to be able to sit down and have a conversation with you. I uh, I'm very grateful for you to come in. So yeah. thank you for that. It's awesome. Yeah, this will be my I guess my third podcast this week so it's been uh oh yeah yeah this week yeah i did a i did one with collectible which i don't know if you know it's a fractional ownership company out of the they're based out of new york oh, yeah. so they 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 trade fractional ownership sports memorabilia all across the world no way. um it's yeah huge company ezra Levy, ezra is um the president started it uh they're super guys and it's pretty cool to check out well we had a guy on here the other day uh dale uh dale hubley yeah, and Dave, Dave, uh, Dale, 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 you and he, and we, uh, we were talking about sports grading. Yeah, and some guy messaged me on Instagram. Was like, you guys have to get this guy yeah. on Brad Hartland. He's the best in the biz in Halifax. Yeah. I said, like, all right, that sounds good. He sent me your email. Yeah, and the, I didn't know the guy's Instagram account. It was just it didn't have his actual name. It must have been his business name. And yeah. he was sent, and I was like, all right, well, let's do it. Let's see what happens. So <laughs> awesome. Or and you just got here, and we've been talking for like ten minutes. And yeah. the amount of people that we know, unbelievable. Used to be in the restaurant business, so you're yeah. in the beer business. I know a lot of people yeah. in the beer business, and it's just another story of Halifax, small world. Absolutely, uh, we know everybody. So uh, I'm excited for this. And I found out you played hockey. You played in the queue. Yeah, absolutely. So where'd you grow up? Spryfield, right here. No. Absolutely. JL Ilsley alumni. I grew, well, I grew up in Williamswood. Okay. We're still, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. I always say Spryfield, I'm proud. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I played Ilsley, played hockey at Ilsley for two years. Then I went and played McDonald's, Midget AAA. We Same, were, me too. Yeah, we went to the Air Canada Cup that year. We had a great team. We went two and three out there, um, came back, and then I was drafted by Beauport in the first round, and well, or sorry, by St. Hyacinth. I went to St. Hyacinth, and uh, three months later, I l- I just wasn't happy. It was it was 
long story. Yeah. Uh, we could chat about it sometime, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. So I left there, came home, played with Jimbo Junior A here, and then I got traded to Beauport. And I went to Beauport and I played the rest of the year and then the start of the next year. So I had 50, 60 games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you must know Troy Ryan. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, must, like, you guys must have grown up together. Yeah. So he's a little bit older. I'm 45. He's my brother's age. My brother's 48. Okay. Um, so Troy, yeah, Troy's right around that. But yeah, Troy would always be traveling back to hockey with my parents. And No way. Uh, yeah. Troy grew, grew up just in Klein Heights. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So just up there. I just moved here two years ago. I love it. Oh, yeah. I just bought the place like, yeah, two years ago in March, like the month COVID hit. And yeah. I just love it. Yeah. It's a great community. No, I, we had a lot of just up. I think it's number four. No, it would be an odd number because it's on that side. Four yeah. or five punch bowls where we, we had a lot of high school and post-high school parties there. It was oh, yeah? It was a party house. My buddy Cookie, former <laughs> football player at JL Ilsley, he, uh, he rented it. And th- we have a lot of great, I've got a lot of great memories coming from punch bowl drive. That's for sure. Do you ever skate on the pond? No, never did. No way. And I just, I kind of, when I drove in, I knew it's been mild lately, but I looked at it and I was like, it's not really, nah. like, I was surprised it's not froze over. I was on it two days ago and yeah. uh, I walked up to the middle, but you know, the rule of thumb is four inches and yeah, I yeah. was, I was looking at three. So we I was like, to. all right, let's get off here. Yeah. And then it, it, it's been mild. So it's been melting, but, yeah. and then I think next week we're supposed to get some cold weather. So hopefully, but yeah. I skated on it for the first time last year. Unbelievable. The amount of people that came out. It was great. Garbage can right to your right <laughs> yeah. there. I oh, think, um, so the, the the game of card grading. Yeah, you're involved in it. Yeah, you're 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 highly uh, praised in the in the card grading game. How did you get involved in that? So I've dealt with cards my whole life. My first store I had when I was 15 years old. Um, I bought it from a guy Benny Devine, another guy who was in the Spryfield Mall, which was the South Center Mall at the time. So I had that store um, just as I was going into high school, and that would have been in 1989. 90. So I've been in the card business my entire life. No. Um, yeah, on and off. Obviously, we had a 20-year run in the restaurant nightclub business, which was awesome. And then COVID hit, and um, the writing was on the wall before that, that, you know, the, the novelty of owning a bar um, wore off probably six, seven years ago. And it was a grind, and it was always a struggle. Um, again, I wouldn't change anything for it, all positive experiences at the end. So when COVID hit and we shut down, I made the decision. I said, you know what? I'm going back to my what I've always done and always been a part of. But um, I just love it. I'm going to wake up every morning and do something that I want to do. And I want to go to work. So I started with my partner, Sherry. And we kind of amped up AMG collectibles. And I started traveling, buying, selling uh, cards. And then PS, I took over PSA Canada in really officially in January, but I started the process in November of last year, um, two years ago now, sorry. So yeah, so I ran PSA Canada all of last year, which was an incredible experience. Um, You know, we submitted about 300,000 cards I mentioned to you earlier last year. We're top five PSA submitter um, in the world. And now we talk daily with PSA back and forth. There's lots of new exciting things coming down the pipeline and Ah, it's been a fun process, you know. Wow. Yeah. What was it at 15 years old that got you hooked? Buying and selling. Like, I, I think it's my, you know, my parents had a hardware store here in the Herring Cove Road and a painting company, which my brother runs today. Um, it was always that buying and selling and just the whole being an entrepreneur and making money, right? Yeah. So, you you know, you buy a card. It wasn't like it is today, but you buy a card for five bucks, you sell it for 10 bucks. You know, I bought the store from Benny... 
I think it was twenty five hundred bucks at the time. I can't remember for sure. Sorry, you bought the store for twenty five hundred. Twenty five hundred bucks. It was like it was a small store in the South Center Mall. So I think the deal was he wanted to get out. He wanted to produce pursue some other things and he did it as a hobby super guy he's fat he's still works with covers.com i'm sure him and paul lavers and joey mcdonald another spry huge spryfield success story like one of the actually probably one of the best spryfield success business success stories there is who's this joey mcdonald yeah so paul uh paul lavers joey mcdonald billy organ and benny was always in that circle with the guys they started uh, I don't know if it was initially, I think it was initially covers.com right from the beginning, but they might've changed the name to covers. So covers, they started uh, just down on the Herring Cove road was their first office above a building that my dad used to own. And they started doing sports picks and bets. And then they kind of like giving people advice. They had subscribers and then they, their subscriptions grew. Then they started to provide information. They became more of a sports betting information. So if you go to Vegas now, you still see like, you pick up a sheet, it's from covers.com that was no. based here in Halifax. No. So they sold the company out. I, I mean, you could you could read about the details. I forget exactly if it was 40, 50 million, 60 million, something like that, back like three or four years ago. And I think Benny still works for them now. And Benny wasn't part of the original ownership group, but I always associated it with them. He was one of the guys. Like, yeah. But at the time, I think he was focused on being a, he was a mailman and he was focused on that thinking, yeah, I'll just hang out with the guys still, let these guys go over here and I'll start my career. That's wicked. Yeah. I didn't but, know that. Yeah. So they're based, Paul, again, Paul Avers grew up on Leibland Park, Billy Organ, um, Joey, all in Spryfield. They're still, are they still here? Billy's in Ireland, I think now. I haven't seen him lately. I seen Paul Lavers last year uh, out at Ashburn. Um, yeah, but that's another, some yeah awesome story okay like awesome very story. good to know so, yeah um i'm assuming a lot of people love to do what you're doing the, the the card grading business what makes a guy like you more successful than the average joe what was it about you that that, that allowed you to separate yourself yeah so my thing coming into the space there's a lot of players in the space um psa professional sports authenticators uh, is based in santa Ana, california they've taken a dominant position in the marketplace so when you look at a card being graded now by the other companies, SGC, Beckett, there's there's probably a dozen other companies out there now that are in that space grading cards. But the market has dictated that PSA has led by example. They're just a dominant space. Like you could get a card graded by a local grading company in Canada that you know doesn't do a bad job, but say you had a Gretzky rookie. You could have it graded by them as a 10 gem mint, sells for probably 25 grand. A PSA 10 sold for 5 million. Wow, so they just have that standard. They have okay. the standard. There's reasons be I mean, the amount of the amount it's not just like some guy looks at a card, they put it in a case. It's like a twelve step process that the card goes through. People tend to forget now that it's the number one thing when they all started was to authenticate a card. So you wanted to make sure the card was real. Like that was kind of the intentions, and then they got on to the numerical grades. So now most people just say, Oh, is it a ten, is it a nine, is it eight? They kind of forget about the initial part of it was authenticate it right do you have time to talk about the process you said there's 12 yeah. steps yeah do you can you yeah so i mean it, well, it, uh, okay yeah i well, sorry <laughs> all good okay well just one sec yeah yeah um i'm, I'm assuming a lot of people know these 12 steps yeah they, they kind of do i, I mean it, it, the big th 
the, the process the card goes through when it reaches PSA is a 12-step process. That you have to do to send to them? No. So what we do, we receive. So more or less, we're their official agent for the country. If you go on PSACard.com, you click on Canada, up pops my name, my email, my cell phone number, which was a very interesting thing to do when we first did that. It was like, yeah, we can do this. PSA has 1,000 employees now. Um, right now it's myself and Sherry with PSA Canada, but you can imagine there was a day that I said, I don't even know what we possibly can do, but it was 400 emails in a day and my phone just, it just didn't stop ringing. So I called my contact at PSA. I was like, I don't, I'm good with this. Like, we'll, we'll try to get to everything we can, but like, this is just crazy. So now we're, we've been talking with them back and forth. We're going to expand the operations in Canada and there's some different possibilities that could come out of it like we're going to have an office probably in Ontario um it will be I mean it's central so that's the next steps of the evolution of PSA Canada wow yeah do you ever get people pissed off saying that's not a that's not a seven that's not a six do you there's a lot of people like questioning your judgment oh all the time so one of the services that I tend to offer to people and I try so we we set up at the Montreal show um, there's two shows in Montreal, two in Toronto. There's the new Edmonton Expo, which just got announced. We're also going to do Vancouver. So what I really wanted to do is the difference is, well, someone could send the card in themselves and not even bother coming through us if they wanted to. You can send direct to PSA. I wanted to use kind of my expertise, my knowledge to educate people to make sure they made the right choice. Um, at the last Toronto show, I probably turned away at least 200 cards for people that they were wanted to submit, but I said it wasn't... It's not financial. If you're looking to sell the card to make money, it's just a bad decision. You're not going to make money by grading this card. Grading prices are are high right now because service levels. PSA faced a backlog last year. Between February and April, they received 15 million cards. Do you think that it's something to do with COVID and like people just looking at their old cards, maybe something like that? It did, and people were grading everything. Yeah. So it was, but you could grade everything because the cost was at, you know, in the States, seven, eight bucks. We were 10 bucks a card to send a card in. So it made, it didn't matter. Like whatever you could go to, you could go to Walmart, buy a box of cards, open it up. You pull out a Zion, a John Moran, RJ Barrett on the basketball side. You pay 10 bucks to grade it. You get the card back. If it comes back at nine, you're getting 40 bucks for it. If it comes back at 10, you're getting a hundred or $200 for it. So this cycle was on and guys were just making, I mean, it, it, it was such a, big thing and not to jump around to topics no, but no. it was so it was so crazy that Walmart and Target actually stopped putting cards out in their stores I saw videos on YouTube of people fighting in Walmart crazy. based on people going and buying in bulk and just ripping the whole shelf out taking all the cards and That's then it. the guy behind him was like what are you doing man like, give me something yeah I've that and was, it happened that was like, here. Yeah, and it happened all across North America and it, in Halifax there was guy there's certain guys out there that dominated the the Walmart Walmart's Distributors distribute the cards to Walmarts. They come in on certain days, they fill the shelves. So they would know who these people were. They'd follow their cars around. They'd know when they came in. But when you can see, it's just because it was so lucrative. All of a sudden, a box would come into Walmart for 30 bucks, a box of Prism. You buy it for 30. That day, you sell it for 120. So you can see when you're getting multiples, three, four X on your money, that creates this crazy demand and it, it created this whole there was young people old people women men like it was just insane it's a simple business plan it's, it's that's it it's, and it was and it's a liquid market yeah, right it doesn't so you, take a genius yeah 
you go home, you list it on Kijiji, you sell it on eBay, boom, it's sold, it's gone, you made your money. Wow. And there was like literally hundreds of people doing it. Like there was guys that would case out, they knew the New Glasgow Walmart was on these days and it was it was nice. And guys made, I mean, not little bits of money, guys made tens of thousands of dollars doing this, right? Some guys made hundreds of thousands of dollars. Guys in the States made, you know, literally millions of dollars by buying sports cards. Wow. Right? Yeah. So it's wow. it's come down a little bit like now. So what that happened is it created this at PSA, this fifteen million cards show up. They actually shut down the United States Postal Service in Santa Ana, California. We're like, we we can't accept any more packages because you can just imagine like it was so lucrative. And every card that's graded by PSA is done in Santa Ana, California. So PSA, so we're PSA Canada. We send all our cards there. Every person sends there. PSA Japan sends there. PSA Luckins in Europe sends all their cards. So everything's going in there. Plus you get every person across the U.S. and a lot of people in Canada that weren't using our services just mailing their cards in because you get them back. And this created this 15 million card backlog. So as you can imagine, PSA had to, they had new ownership group bought PSA for a billion dollars in January. Congrats to PSA. Yeah, yo, it was it was a publicly traded company. I think the shares were at thirty bucks, thirty bucks a share. The buyout was at ninety, so like three x on the share price. Wow. So the shareholders made made some good yeah, money and they some. went ahead. But the first thing they did is they realized we got to shut this thing down, right? Because what can we? Because they couldn't. They, they couldn't handle the demand. Couldn't handle the demand. I'm, I'm picturing just a sweatshop right now of a bunch of people opening cars. Is that correct? Like, have you been to the to the? Yeah. So I flew down. I I've been there four times now. Um, like it's a huge operation. Like I said, it's a thousand employees now. But where are these employees? Are they all at like a common table like this, just down a line? Oh like- no, it's like it's it's. You could say it's like Fort Knox. Like I mean, every day they're grading cards that are millions and millions of dollars. Like it's uh, security everywhere. Oh, everywhere's. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like it's it's almost located in like a. If you drive into a Bears Lake Industrial Park, and then there's this, these massive glass buildings. And it's it goes, and they took the building next to it. It's huge, like <laughs> massive site. That's crazy. So they had the capabilities of grading, you know, say five, ten thousand cards a day, and all of a sudden things started to really pump up in twenty twenty one, and sorry, in, in the twenty twenty towards the end, and they're like, so they started to get a backlog. Which in business, it's okay if you have a backlog, you can keep still turning things around. But all of a sudden, in that three month period, fifteen million cards come in, and your capacity is twenty thousand. At that time, probably say even 20,000, 15,000 cards a day. You're like, well, what can we what can we possibly do? We'll never get out of this backlog because we have the current ones coming in. So they shut down all services um, and just concentrated on getting packages opened. So there's some cards still at PSA now that people sent in a year ago um, that haven't been graded. So they're frustrated. Very, very frustrated. So the one that I could say with that, so PSA, us being one of their largest submitters, all our cards from all our customers, we got them all back. I think they're all back in everyone's hands in November. So we had about an eight month, seven, eight months was our max turnaround. Some guys are a year and a half. So yeah, so that was good. They they did take care of us and we were able to move forward. A so. professional like yourself, how long does it take to grade one card? Just so like, look at this card, like to just to like to look at a card. Yeah. Like, what, what? What? How long would that take? So honestly, on a, like this, is a, 
Matt Sunday, 90 upper deck rookie card. So you, when you take a look at that it. That was nasty what you just did. That <laughs> was unreal. That yeah. was very, did you get that on camera? <laughs> <laughs> so when you look, again, you, you being my entire life dealing with cards, like this is something that had no value. You know, it, it was worth 50 cents. Matt Sunday, 90 upper deck. All of a sudden grading came by and you could grade this card. If you get a 10 from PSA on it, it's, I'm going to say 150 bucks. 100, 150 bucks, but you spent 10. So this created all this stuff that everyone had that was told was worthless for all these years. All of a sudden now you could grade them and you could make money. So you would have a box of these, you know, being a hockey guy, you have a, most people have a box of cards and you just be like, yeah, they're not worth anything. So all of a sudden you'd look at the card and you say, I wonder if I can get a 10 on that. So like this card's got a little touch on the top corner. What do you mean a touch? Just a little touch on the top corner. So when you look in, if you if you go on a certain angle, it was just lifted a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, very minor. But again, so regardless, if that was a card now, it cost two hundred and thirty bucks Canadian to grade a card. So like this, you just never would submit this now. But if grading was that ten bucks and this card's perfect, like I said, you want to invest ten bucks to take a chance? Comes back at nine, it's still worth say thirty, right? So you're still making money. So that's what created this craze right interesting oh yeah definitely like so the so when you look at the difference from an from an eye like there's a touch on that corner too when you from an a difference between on a new modern card the difference between an eight nine ten really not a whole lot you i mean everything's magnified you got to put it under a loop you got to know what to look for scratches like on the back on these upper deck cards the hologram that was there if there's any sort of a scratch on that, that's one of the things that a grader would look for. So you could say, well, you could pull it right out of the pack and they're scratched. So mm. like, that's one thing you want to educate people. They're like, oh, it's mint. I just opened it out of the pack. That doesn't work that way. That's crazy. So, that's interesting. Yeah. So, I still love the look of that card. It's one of my favorite cards. Just He just brought it in today. We were going to yeah. go, I was going to go down to Walmart today and pick up a pack of cards and get you to open it, but I didn't have yeah. the car this morning. But yeah, yeah, no sweat. That's, uh, that's unbelievable. So it really does, it, it, it's a, you just see things really quickly and understand whether or not it's a 10 or if it's going to be, you just, it's, it takes one yeah. second. Yeah. So okay. look, one, uh, obviously the biggest card in Canada, the, like the grail card in Canada is the 79 OPG Wayne Gretzky rookie card. So that's a card that we submitted, I'm going to say three, 400 probably Gretzky's in the last year, maybe even more. Maybe even it's the number is seven, 800. I'm not exactly sure. I know at the Toronto show that we just did um, in November, we received 121 Gretzky's rookies from, from clients. So we've got them all back now. The highest grade we did have an eight come back. A couple PSA eights came back. Um, a lot of sevens, a lot of sixes, and then a lot of ones, twos that people kind of knew what they were going to be when they sent them in. So. Wow. Yeah. So these people that own these cards that are worth, you know, millions of dollars. Yeah. And maybe they do want to make a buck on it. Maybe they don't want to make a buck yeah. on it. What's the, these people's mindsets when they go to these shows? Do they want it just for bragging rights? Or is there a part of them that goes, eh, I'm done with it? Or is there a part that wants to give it to their child? Like, what what are these people's mindsets that have these cards and are, are of ownership? Yeah. So it's all, it's all over the map. But at the end of the day, people see... When all of a sudden you've seen the five, the, I think it was 3.7 million US. So say, let's say 5 million Canadian, one of the two PSA 10 Gretzky's sold for. that, And it went, now cards are mainstream media. 
It was on CNN. It was on CTV News. It was on TSN. Kenny Reed's one of the best advocates of sports cards. There is a close, close buddy of mine. <laughs> is he? Uh, oh, just we 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 chat. I mean, no way. I don't want to say daily, but weekly, back and forth. And he's a true. I mean, there's no one that loves the game of hockey as much as he does, and he's a true collector. I didn't know he's a. Uh, maybe I did. He's active on Twitter, and I'll look at his tweets a yeah. lot. And he follows us on Instagram too. Yeah. So, but I, he had a. We got a Gretzky rookie graded for him about four years ago. Came back a PSA eight. I won't get into the dollar values. He might not want me <laughs> to share that. At the time, I was like, "Yeah, I can sell it for you today." And I said, "I can get you a obscene amount of cash." And at the time, that was a four thousand in that range. And uh, he's like, "What should I do?" I'll, I mean, I'll just take your advice. I'm like, "Sell it." Like you're getting like. Four, you know, I don't mind. Was he it. working for sports then at the time? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. And then you get four thousand dollars for this card. You know, it's a Gretzky rookie. I've had hundreds of them and bought and sold them, and they, you, and Nate used to sell for a thousand bucks. And today, so that was three, four years ago. Today, Nate's about twenty-five to thirty-five k. So some bad advice I gave my buddy. <laughs> he always makes fun. Should I sell it? Oh boy! <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that's it. So there's a the prime. When people look at the marketplace and you can kind of see what cards and the dollars they bring in, there's, I'll say this information as of this week, there's two PSA 10s graded in the world. So there's, out of all the Gretzky submitted, say there was 10,000 10, Gretzky submitted, two came back PSA 10s. They were graded a while ago, I'd say 10, 15 years ago. Um, there's a lot of speculation when people look at those cards and you can see the images of them on online and you could take a look and they're like, oh, mine's better than that. Mine's better than that. Can you look it up? Yeah. Yeah. You, you have a lot up of on pictures. the TV. Yeah. So to what, what does he type in? PSA Gretzky 10? PSA 10 Gretzky. Yeah. PAA 10. Okay. Yeah. And who are the people that get to, is it, is it one individual that gets to grade that or does it have to go through a lot of eyes? So any big cards now, they go through a lot of, a lot of eyes look at that. How, how many people do you think? Uh, if like, so now if, if there was a card that, was in question to be a 10. I bet you, I mean, there could be up to 20 people. Is that it? Yeah. So there's a PSA 10 Gretzky. So where is, who's the owner of that right now? So that one, this guy, David, um, David Betts bought a PSA 10 tops rookie. And he, I don't know who owns the other one, but anyway, he bought it for 1.1, last year. And people ask my thoughts. I did a couple other podcasts, and it was like, what should you do? Like, what do you think of that? And I'm like, well, long-term hold. There's only two. PSA is going to be very scrupulous to give out another 10. What does scrupulous mean? Um, that's probably a, that's a word I just made up. Is it? I don't fine. know. I don't, I, I don't, my knowledge of words isn't the best. So some people say they control the population, which absolutely they, they don't. Yeah. But to give out another one, all like you said, maybe 20 eyes will be on that card from the graders, when that card comes through and a guy goes, guys, I looked at this. I think this is worthy of a nine or 10. All of a sudden, then you're going to get the team of guys. Everyone's going to look at it. They're going to go over that card. So when you look at the two tens and you look at the one that you just popped up there, that card was probably graded 15 years ago. So in just, is just my opinion. Would that card, that card, would it grade a 10 today? I don't think it would. And the reason behind it is like, well, is it wrong? Do they do? No, absolutely they didn't. At the time when that card came in, say the 10 was worth, and they gave a 10, it was worth five or 10 grand, not 5 million. But at the time, it was the best Gretzky PSA has ever seen. So they've given out sevens, they've given out eights, they've given out nines. And all of a sudden, this comes in, they're like, man, this is the nicest one we've seen. 
yeah, this deserves a 10. And it did deserve a 10 at that time. There's grading standards that they follow, but at the end of the day, a 9 to 10 on those cards, like it's... There's a lot of factors to take in. What is it about a ten, though? What, what, what? Why is it a ten compared to what? What is it? Is it the yes. color? What? You know? Yeah, everything. So there's four four standards when you grade a card. So they look at the first thing is centering. That's what that's the one I always go with first because it's the easiest one to see. Like if you had the Sundin card, it's in a case. Can you pull the Gretzky one back up? Yeah. Okay, just but yeah. Se- one. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so centering. So centering. So your so your eye can easily go like this is a this has been in this case for a while. It's yellowed, mm-hmm. you know. It would it tinned the old school top loaders. Uh, it didn't doesn't affect the card. So when you look, your centering is your borders. So you go, yeah. Oh, perfect. So your centering, you go your borders from top to bottom, left to right. So the. To be perfect card, a perfect centering, it's 50-50. So like on this one, you can see the white border from left to right. It looks like 50-50 centering. A lot of cards, it can go all the way down to 90-10. Like you can see a huge border. Even new cards now, if you bought a blaster at Walmart, you open it up, there's cards that have 80-20 center, and you're saying, how is this possible? But that's another that's another topic we'll get into. But especially older Opeachy and Tops cards, they didn't care about the quality of the cards, especially back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, even into the 80s. Opeachy and Tops were the two manufacturers, and they weren't card companies. They were bubblegum companies, <laughs> right? Okay. So they were in the game of how can we sell more bubblegum? What can we do? Let's add some pictures of guys on cardboard that's with like the, our bubblegum like that people look up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, that's how the whole evolution of it it started, right? So, yeah, back to that. So the 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 criteria on centering, so you top to bottom, left to right, front and back, you can go on PSA site to see their exact technical, like the back can be off-centered a little bit to be a 10 still. It can be 60-40 or 70-30, I think, on the back, but the front has to be 55-45. So the next thing you look at is the, the corners. Obviously, corners that have a ding, have a touch, they'll be affect the grade. Then you look at your surface. So surface of the card, is there any scratches on it? Is there any marks? Is there any, um, lots of different things could, surface could affect it. And last is your edges. So around the edges of a card. So one thing that people, it's really hard to tell is a lot of cards throughout the 80s and 90s where people collected them. My original collection of cards, I put elastics around them. That's what people did. You had your cards, you put elastic band, you put them in your shoebox. That's where they were. So elastic bands affect the edges, obviously, on the cards. So that's why you see cards number one in a set from the from the early years. Card number one or the last card in a set, usually were on the top or the bottom. They're the ones that were affected a lot by elastic bands. So in a higher grade they're tougher to get, they're, they command a premium. So so those are the four things. So you got surface, centering, edges, corners. Yeah. So that's what, that's what they, they when they grade a card. That's the, that's the criteria it meets. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. So. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Over the years, you said you got in the game when you were 15 or yeah. it wasn't before 15. You just bought the store at 15. Yeah, I bought the store at 15. So I collected, I mean, I started, I always had cards, but I was big into sticker books. So we'd get our hockey stickers. Okay, right, so you're involved for a while. Yeah, there. yeah. So <laughs> my collection really started at like eighty two, eighty three. Yeah, it was kind of there. So over the years, like right now, is it, is it at its peak right now? 
Or was there a time in the past where you, you thought the demand was even higher for the, the work that you're in? Like, And what creates these trends of up and down, up and down? Yeah, so, uh, simple supply and demand. I mean, obviously, is one of the big things. But I, I'm very bullish on the hobby. I, I see the money that's in the hobby. I see the people with money that's in it now. Um, the bulk Walmart buying and grading, what I talked about earlier, I think those days are the flipper days of guys just buying stuff, not even knowing what it was. Like these guys didn't even know what cards were and you didn't have to, you just made money. You know what I mean? It was so, yeah. it was that easy. Yeah. Um, but I think you're going to see the high, the hobby just maintain this steady, steady rise. You know, it's not going to be what we've seen. If you look at the graphs and I can show you some charts, um, like there's companies out there that card ladder is the one that I use and sports card investor. They, they have apps out there that show it just, it just looks like a stock. So you can see the rise and fall of the, the rise and the gains and so forth. So this February, 2021, February to April, we hit an all time peak where wow. like crazy, when you look at a graph on a card, um, I could show you probably show you after okay. but you can see and, and all of a sudden you're you're looking at this nice rise and you can see things were really heating up in 2020 cards were going up and up and up and then all of a sudden you hit this gigantic like incline that just went to a peak and then when that when that happened then you've seen the decline started to come back people say oh well COVID was over people are getting back to normal there's less money out there and but it just the, the rise was just too fast on too many cards mm-hmm. that shouldn't have hit that rise mm-hmm. So now if you just, I did this um, on collectible podcasts last on Sunday night with Jeremy Lee, we talked about it. I said, like, if you just eliminate February to April, what do you see? Like people ask if the, the market's declining, you just eliminate that three month span and you can, it's just a continued growth. And it's nice because stability brings Money. in any market, right? When things are stable, like it was so crazy. Like, I mean, there was Topps Chrome LeBron James's rookie card was graded a PSA 10 was two grand two years ago. And it hit in February 40, 45K US. So the pop report on them, the population is pretty high. But so that card, you could have bought that card in January for 10 and you sold it in February, March for 40, 45. So now that card's trading about 15K. So people are like, so it depends on how the narrative you want to put in the hobby. I couldn't be more bullish on the hobby. The hobby's awesome. People are like, oh, look, that card's down to 15 grand now. No, no, it was two grand two years ago. It's up. It's up. You could buy it for 10. That 40 peak, that, I mean, it was, ju- it was, it was just crazy. And it's not like the old days. Like you used to, I'd buy a collection of cards from Bob back in his barn. And I'd go home, I'd sort it, I'd price it, and I'd wait for the next card show at the Halifax Forum. And I'd be like, can't wait to get there. I'm going to sell some of this, get some of my money back. Like that was kind of the, like that's what you looked for, and that was the way that you had to you had to do things. Now you buy a card. If I if you gave if that Sundine was a PSA 10 card, I could post it on Facebook, eBay, um, any of the platforms out there, and I put a hundred bucks on a PSA 10 Sundine, and boom, someone would go, yep, yeah, PM, I want it, EMT, PayPal, done. So you have a almost like a set of responsibilities with your skill. You, you know, you could, if you want, grease some guy and go, yeah, give me 15 grand for this 10 Sundin. You have a you have a responsibility to you. Yeah, so my thing, so we don't grade the cards. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we don't, I don't grade okay, the cards. Okay, okay, sorry. So I, I, there's sets a set of skills. Could I be a card grader? Yeah, I'm sure I could be. I think you could. Um, 
that's a the problem they're having getting card graders is too is why would someone necessarily want guys that are in the marketplace can buy cards grade them themselves and flip them so you have to you know how much money was being made on that out there so it was very hard for PSA to find graders guys like man I'm just going to keep on buying cards traveling buying cards flipping them guys made millions of dollars you know what I mean like it was there's an ethics behind it of hiring these people right oh absolutely that's why they they centralized all their cards are in Santa Ana that's where they grade all the cards are done there okay so when the card goes through nobody the graders have no idea who the card came from they have no idea the service level they submitted that they're just they're grading the card and then the card moves down the line. It's like a casino blackjack dealer. Like they have, there has to be ethics involved. It's it's crazy. It's, yeah. it's very similar. Yeah. It sounds like yeah. And I and, and we talk to people about that. Like a lot of cards. If you had, if I sent in a hundred Gretzky rookies and we had a high res picture of all hundred and they came back all in one shipment and we were like, oh, I, I don't know whose is whose because we submit them all in their own submissions. Mm-hmm. So it's very it's it's it can't. I mean anything's possible, but we have yeah. never had a mix up of a card. But if they if they got all shuffled, I had no idea. There was no serial numbers, and you showed me those hundred pictures. It could take me a little bit of time, but within an hour or so, I could pick everyone's Gretzky's out because there's so many distinct features on that card. If you gave me a hundred Matt Sundin upper deck rookies, I'd be like, no idea. So that's I mean when when Nat Turner's group, um, Steve Cohen, who owns the Mets, um, stay humble. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. He owns the Mets. <laughs> So he was part of the group. Nat Turner's now the CEO of Collectible, or sorry, of PSA. And they bought the company for a billion dollars. Like, that's one of the things that I always tell people. It's like, guys, well, how do I know I'm going to get my card back? Well, the company sold for a billion. It's owned by this group of guys that are investing into the space and growing this company. Like, do you think they're going to switch out your Michael Jordan rookie? Yeah. Like Nat sold a company before that for four billion or three billion, or and he's a true passionate. He's out on Instagram every day. The guy's just a true passionate, lifelong collector. Huge in basketball, loves '90s basketball cards. Who doesn't? Um, well, not cards, he, but '90s basketball. Yeah, he's probably got the, one of the best collections in the world. You know, I mean, I wouldn't even. Where does he live? Ah, he's in New York. In New York. Yeah. yeah, he puts himself out there a lot. Like he's on a lot of podcasts showing his cards because he's a true fan of it. Um, but like I said, yeah, he he's a. Uh, he is a true collector. Wow. So, I mean, but you got cards that are lit, like, when I say this, it's not, no exaggeration. Cards are millions of dollars. So when this guy travels, yeah. does he bring security with him? Like, how does no, he? No, I think it's the same as anything. It's like, you know what? There's local guys here. We've got our billionaires. I've seen it. Seen one of them today. Yeah. <laughs> he's just hanging. He was but if he like <laughs> has the physical card, like, and he's going to a Vegas showcase, like, yeah, it's, so it's, it's there's it, no, there's not that, to tell you the truth, it's one of those, it is an area that, there's security everywhere. It's like when you go to the national, I was at the national in Chicago this year, and I think there's five, 600 dealers, and it's massive. I think they put 125,000 people through the door. There's a lot of guys with security. There, there's a lot of security in place, but still not to the level that you would, you would think. You know what I mean? Like guys are walking around with their, they literally, they have briefcases. And when I say guys, it can be, you see 15-year-old kids walking around with a 50, 100K. Like, We're doing it wrong, it's, Jeff. Oh, it's mind-blowing. It's <laughs> absolutely mind-blowing when you see it. I like if I, No matter if you ever get into the collectible space, the Toronto Expo is unbelievable as well. But everybody should go see. If you like sports, just go see this. And it's stuff's all over the map. But you'll see, you know, one guy had Ty Cobb set up. He had 15 of them. 
Uh, I was one of the big auction houses, but I was like, they're all like 500,000 a pop. You see, and they had the honest Wagner card that just sold for six, seven, six or seven million. Um, like everyday cards sell for millions of dollars, individual cards. And it's, and it's liquid, right? <laughs> if you have them, you can sell them, right? So. Blown, yeah. my mind's blown away yeah. right now. Like, I'm just sitting here, don't even know what to ask next. I just can't, like, keep looking <laughs> at zeros in my head. No, it it's, is. It's, and it's it, unbelievable. And it's crazy. And a lot of guys, I've, I went through with a lot of people that have been buying, you know, buying, trading, friends to become part of my family, really, and friends of mine. The question that I got, it was at the beginning of 20, the beginning of 2021, all of a sudden you love your collection, right? You love your cards, but say your collection was 50 grand. One of my, a good buddy of mine from here, his collection was 50 grand. And he didn't want to sell his cards, but his collection went to 300. So then all of a sudden he's like, what do I do? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like I said, honestly, and he chose and he had some high end stuff and he chose and he sold most of it at the peak, some on the way up to the peak and then some on a little bit of decline. But I mean, it's, I mean, it changed his life. Now, you know, it's a cottage he, on the lake. You know, he's mortgage free. You yeah. know, and he goes to work every day, doesn't stress over it. So he's buying and he's buying back a lot of the cards now in lower grades, which satisfies his need, his need. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Wow. So. That kind of goes back to my first question of the people that are owning these cars and what's their personality? Like, do they want to get rid of it? Do they have it for pride? Do they have it for ego? Like, what kind of people are in this game? But it's, it sounds like what you're saying, it's everyone. It is. It's everyone. Yeah. It's, it's the guy that had the card when they were a kid and just held on to it, and it turns out it's worth some money. Yeah. It just sounds like there's a whole lot of different personalities that are in this business. There is. And when you watch now, like, I mean, now it's this this new wave of new collectors, investors, and companies, and athletes. And, you know, you, you can watch Mark Wahlberg on YouTube buying boxes for a couple grand, two grand, three grand of Prism, and his kids are in the back, and their packs are flying everywhere, and cards are flying. And people see that, and they're like, Mark Wahlberg collects cards? Absolutely, Mark Wahlberg collects cards. Steve Oki, Steve Aoki is one of the biggest Pokemon gaming card collectors in the world. No way. Like, po- yeah, his collection's just insane. They're actually Jeff Wilson, who does a run sports card investor did a tour of Aoki's house and his cards and it was super cool to watch. Oh, the one so, in Vegas. I've seen, yeah. I don't know if I've yeah. seen that video, but I've yeah. seen his house there. Yeah. That's like crazy. The big, I think it's Steve Aoki's party house. He calls it. He was, <laughs> I remember we brought him here for a couple concerts at the Halifax forum back. I mean, that got to be 10 years ago. It's funny where, how he has grown in his. Yeah. 10 years his, ago. Was, I mean, Do you see his documentary on Netflix? No, I haven't watched it. Oh, that. such a hard worker. Just yeah. so like. Like he'll hold, he'll like book a private jet from Seattle to Vegas, but he'll save money, so he'll buy a small jet, but make sure that the 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 leg room in between can create a bed just so he can save money and sleep on the floor. And like the guy could afford anything, but yeah. he's just like he's just a grinder. I, yeah. I, it was a, you should watch it. It's, it's on Netflix. Sure. It's cool. Yeah, he was twenty five. Remember we brought him here. I think I'm gonna say twenty five hundred bucks. What? Like is what we brought him here for? That would be ten years ago. How yeah, much we, do you pay him? If you don't mind me, if you don't mind me asking. No, that's like what we pay him. Twenty five hundred. Oh, I thought you meant just to like get him. No, here. that was what we paid twenty five hundred all in ten you know, years ago. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say ten. We had him at the multi-purpose center at the Halifax Forum. Time flies. Yeah, I think 10. we did it tw- twice. He was here, I think, and I remember it was awesome because it was actually a good money maker because people just loved this guy and he was the nicest guy you could ever meet. And he'd just go on and put on this hell of a show, and his career just took off. But when you go back to guys that are collecting, I mean, athletes are collecting. Athletes are all in the space now. They're buying part of these companies. Jay Z. Is in on the is one of the big investors now with CGC, another company. Um, it's almost hard to name an athlete that's not part of it now. Hmm. 
Like it's really good. Josh Donaldson is a huge collector. Loves cards. No way. Um, but I, you'd be surprised. Jack Eichel is one of the 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 biggest memorabilia guys out there. Oh yeah, yeah. He was in Halifax this summer. It was. You know what? I I obviously being a Canadian and being McDavid, and I remember the controversy between who was better. Eichel is the American. McDavid was the Canadian. I was like, I don't like this cocky Eichel guy. He thinks he's better than McDavid. And, <laughs> Then all of a sudden there was a show that I seen him, uh, it was a clip and it showed him at an all-star game and he was running around taking banners off the wall in the locker room and getting some guys to sign. He's like, this is the coolest stuff ever. And I just like, I love this guy now. <laughs> right? That's amazing. You know, like stuff that I would do all of a sudden would be like, can I have that? You know what I mean? Like, I think that's cool. Right? That's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I think Dale Hubley, the Moosehead collector, Dale? Yeah. Moose, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy collection. So oh yeah, I've sold him stuff over the, the years, and he, his collection of mooseheads and voyagers and citadel stuff now yeah. is just. Did he get? I didn't listen to it. Did he get? Oh, he got a lot of. We, I had people reach out to me. You know Stan Henniger by any yeah, chance? Absolutely. So yeah. he messaged me. He's like, I got a bunch of stuff that he'd love. So I connected wow, those two, awesome. and now those two guys are talking. And now, but I, a bunch of people reached out just wanting to give him stuff. Yeah, and he said that's. I, I never would have thought of that, but. Yeah. He's just the type of guy that people love and people trust and want him to have it. I, I yeah. keep encouraging him or not keep. I told him on the podcast, he has to open up his own shop. Yeah. Like he, he, people would love to go in there, pay 25 bucks, go see everything. It, I yeah. don't know. There's a business there waiting. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a true, pa- he's a true collector. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's, he's an, he's a super nice guy and he loves the stuff and he gets excited and it's not necessarily the value. It's with him and a lot of collectors, it's not the value. It's more the uniqueness. You know what I mean? Like value does play a part in it, obviously, but he could find something that he doesn't have that's like a buck or two bucks or five bucks and be super excited. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I love that. Like I still say my favorite card, people say, what's your favorite card of all time? I, ah, Gretzky rookie is because there's so much history and story. But my favorite baseball card of all time, it's a simple question, Eight, 1989 Flair, Billy Ripken. And people kind of go, what? Billy Ripken? Like, who's Billy Ripken? Cal's brother? Yeah, it's Cal's brother. But in 1989, he had a card came out by Flair. I don't know if you guys, if you'd remember this. No. I'm in the dark. Yeah, you'd be complete. So it was the first time they ever issued an error. Like, there was lots of errors on cards before, things that they shouldn't. But on the bat, Billy Ripken's standing there with the bat. He's got it on the bottom of the bat. It says, F face. Oh, right? okay. But the full yeah. thing spelled out. So it's on the bottom of the bat, and all of a sudden the card gets released. It's just a base like oh. card. People are like, what? what is going on? Like, you can't have this out there. So Flair had a recall, and then they tried to, they scribbled out. There's a blackout version, there's a whiteout version, but the air card still, the card jumped to like 500 bucks or 1,000 bucks or whatever it was back in 89, which was just crazy. And it was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. It was like, Baseball card gets released, and they so they corrected the air. But the the history behind that card, I just love because I was part of that. I remember going, "Oh my god, I wonder if I can get it ever get that '89 <laughs> Flair Billy Ripken and sell it and instantly like sell it for five hundred bucks." <laughs> you know, what I mean? that's crazy. Yeah. So where'd you find that card at? So I I've had lots of them over the years, and it went down at one point. It was like twenty bucks. I think now it's probably selling fifty, sixty bucks <laughs> for the card. But it's a cool. It's just the story, the history behind it. Yeah. Prime example, a PSA 10 of that card probably sells for five or 600 bucks. No. 
where oh. the base guide sells for 50. I see. Okay. You get about 10x on that. Man, so the PSA name, it's a household name. It's just that it's everything. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. what they can do. And the, the power they have. Yeah. And the company is called Collectors. It was Collectors Universe and uh, Universe, and they dropped the Universe part, and they're just going to be called Collectors now. Okay. But at PSA is one division. The sports card grading is one division of this company. They have PSA DNA, which authenticates autographs and does encapsulation of autographs. Jersey, they'll do everything there. The other is PCC, PCCG, which is the coin division. So they authenticate and grade coins. Um, they just authenticated within the last six months. Um, an actual, this one will might confuse you, but an actual Bitcoin. There's actually a physical Bitcoin they made. Oh, yeah. And PSA authenticated, right? And it sold for $60 million or something like that. It's just uh, crazy. So that's a big that's a big part. And then now the other thing they just bought is they bought Wada Games. Um, so Wada Games was the leader in this space. These guys started this company. They grade video games. So graded video games. So PSA bought them, and now they're in the trend. They're bringing the, that company to Santa Ana. Okay. To start working out of, but you'll see the sales. If you put in Super Mario Brother 3 video game sale, 1.5, 1.6 million just sold for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's, your, what's the number one website you get information from? Honestly, I'm just, it's just, there's not really any one web, website. Like where do you get the, where are you? It's just being part of the hobby. So people Everybody. reach out to you, you reach out to people, conversations yeah. you have. Like you're yeah. very knowledgeable, yeah. but on a wide, wide base of things. Yeah. Like the Wada one threw me for a little. I always thought I was never a gamer, but I always I always thought video games are cool. And I, you know, I did the Tiger Woods golf growing up. That was the extent of my yeah. my game. Super Mario Brothers, everyone knows it. But all of a sudden you've seen this rise and you just kind of say, What's happened? And then I seen the picture of the Super Mario 3 when it first sold for 700 k I think it was. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, it's that yellow game. I'm like, I, I definitely had that game. It's just now the thing, and when you see that, everyone <laughs> that could be listening go, I got that game. It's yeah. a million and a half. It's sealed and it's great at the highest grade, a nine, I think a nine eight or a nine, I think it's a nine eight, <laughs> which is the highest grade. They grade on a different scale, yeah. um, but it's the highest grade one out there and it's the only one graded a nine eight. So when you create that marketplace, all it takes is two people that want that, right? So what's it worth? Why is it, is it worth 1.5 million? No, it might only be worth 100 grand. But two people wanted it, and they went toe-to-toe. I think it was Heritage Auctions that sold it and just said, and to them, maybe that's like saying you want something or I want something that's, you know, I'll splurge. I'll spend 100 bucks on that bottle of wine, but that's really only worth 10 bucks. But I pay 10x because I wanted to be the guy that night, yeah. and I wanted to have that yeah. bottle of wine. Yeah. At the level of these players, it's like, I wanted to have that. I wanted to have that, that game. That's crazy. So now in the back, what I've been starting to do is – could be completely wrong, but I've been buying, being a hockey guy, I've been trying to buy sealed video games of any of the hockey games out there. So like 99, 98, like back, like PlayStation? So, yeah. yeah. So I've got the, well, I even, I even went back even older school. So I've got an Intellivision started with ice hockey. Atari had their ice hockey game. So I bought the highest graded Atari ice hockey game, graded a 9.8. So we were like, what'd you pay for it? I paid 300 bucks. And I was like, you know what? It, back to what I just said. It just takes someone might be out there that says, I want to have every the highest graded video game of every hockey game. So who knows? I could be maybe it'd be worth a hundred bucks next time. We That's chat, right? So what do you have? You have like a warehouse? Do you have like a basement? What, what's your what's your no, holding place like? No. Like? So the store is AMG Collectibles is the retail store yeah. in the Bedford Place Mall. So most of my stuff I just have with me. You just have it with you. Yeah. 
What? <laughs> That's crazy. And, I've, and again, I lived in Williamswood and prior, and I we'd have more people over, and, and and I can say this: the amount of we'd have, you know, we had the pools in the backyard and the parties and the this and that. I've never had anything that I know has ever gone missing. And that's, you know, there's times we'd have 100, 150 people at the house. And, you know, some I had some super cool things like, you know, from the first Marilyn Monroe Playboy, which always was one of my favorite things because that could resonate with a lot of people. Yeah. Here's the first Playboy ever. Oh. And I'd be like, oh, let me take a look at it. It was Marilyn on the cover. And um, people would, even if you weren't into sports or you weren't into collecting, everyone thought that was kind of cool. That's iconic. Yeah. I mean, it's like I did autograph stuff from like Alexander Graham Bell to Abe Lincoln, different things, but I always had them on display and yeah, things, yeah. things always kind of worked themselves out. When I think about it now, it's like, Ooh, that was probably not the best idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. But, yeah. I, man, this, yeah. I just want to hang out with you for the yeah. day. I just want to know <laughs> what you do. Yeah. Your no, life is awesome. nuts. Yeah. What's your day like? Like, what do you wake up and you, you, like? Do pe- I feel like a lot of people message you. I feel like you're a type of guy where people are looking to bounce ideas off you. Yeah, is that accurate? Yeah, all the time. And now that I've, you know, we've I've moved on to the next chapter to do this full time. Yeah. Like when I look at it, I'm like, why didn't I do? Earlier. And I've always done it, but why did I not do this even sooner? Because the joy you get up every day going to work, it's like you know what? I'm sure you guys are loving what you're doing right here as well. Love it. Like that's exciting. You know what I mean? It's fun to go to work every day. There is the other side. Like you said, do people ever yell at you? Do people ever, oh yeah, we've got those guys. You know what I mean? But that's that's the nature of the beast. You got to roll with the punches. But, yeah. So yeah, we get up, we, we start um, shipping is usually number one. This morning I was at FedEx and UPS and Canada Post because everyone that wants to get cards back, they, they have their preferred carrier. Um, you know, the guy, one of the packages went out to a guy today and where was it at? And it was somewhere in Newfoundland and UPS called and they're like, we, we just can't get that package to that guy. <laughs> it's too <laughs> so, remote. Yeah. So I, t- I texted him. I said, can we ship it somewhere else? Like, or do you want me to take it to Canada Post? Yeah, and yeah. anyways, uh, that stuff happens a lot. So yeah, so we go through the shipping and then it's answering calls and and back and forth. And um, it's busy. And it, the one thing representing Canada, obviously people forget about now is the time change. You know, we get lots of guys that just want to talk. I've got an, uh, he's, I think he's 85. He's in Winnipeg. He likes to call me usually late at night just to chat. He's a good customer, good guy, but he's like, he's got health problems. He's on dialysis. And we all know those, those yeah, people. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she like, do you ever, I'm like, no, I got all the time in the world for this guy. Yeah. I talked to him a couple of times a week. He, he, he's pretty much submitted all his cards. I don't even think he's going to submit anything. <laughs> the last time he was like, I think I'll have them back before I die. And I was like, Al, <laughs> no, like, it's okay. We're going to get these back for you. You're going to have some fun. <laughs> Anyways, we got all this stuff back, but I mean, that's all part of, you know, who we are as Haligonians and Nova Scotians. And you know what? It's maybe the hockey culture that is instilled in us. Yeah, I agree. You got lots of time for people. It doesn't matter if they're the the biggest customer, the lowest customer, or they submit one card or they they submit nothing. They just want to answer. They want help answering their questions because everybody now, the perception is I've got this million dollar card, right? I've got a Gretzky worky. It's 5 million. Well, no, it's not. You know what I mean? The Gretzky rookie that I had that I bought in 1989 uh, from Blue Nose Coin Shop on the corner of Almond Street in Windsor, down in the basement. This guy Dennis owned it. I used to go in there Saturday mornings, hang out for a couple hours. I think when I look back at it now, I used to, it was good for him because he'd put me to work. I'd build boxes. I'd just be hanging out in his card store and from mom and dad to say, I, we can ditch him for two hours every Saturday. Just drop him. It was like free babysitting. Free babysitting. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. 
So I bought that card for 70 bucks, my Gretzky rookie. I still think, like, when you ask, in my, it's graded a PSA 7 now. I had it graded probably five or six years ago. Um, in my mind, that card is one of the nicest still cards. Like, I still think it should be an 8, maybe a 9 on the outside chance. Like, it's gorgeous. I did resubmit it, which you can do. You can take a card and resubmit it. And it when did you submit it? I submitted it probably five or six years ago. Oh, so you got it back. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I got yeah, it back, yeah, yeah. and then I resubmitted it about three or four years ago again. So I get them to, to to review it because I thought it should be a higher grade. Yeah. I spent my money for the review, and my card came back, and I said no. <laughs> so do you find out as soon as you open up the box and they give it back to you? Like, is that the moment you find out? You don't get an email? Like, yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's how you find out. Absolutely. So you, you, well, you, now it's online. Like, before it was you get – you. Len Potty, who ran PSA Canada for 21 years before I took it over, I was like his number, his number one customer. I, I, it was old school. You didn't get an email. You didn't get anything. You just picked the box up, and as fast as you can open the box, you see your grades, right? So, yeah, there's many times I shouldn't. I, I could say this. I'd be on the road. It'd be like some people would be eating a cheeseburger. I'd be driving with my knees in the steering wheel, just cracking these boxes, trying to see. Did I get tens? Did I get tens? Did I get tens? Right? It's uh, it's crazy to see. But so, one of the other things, too, I talked about it earlier is. You, you you authenticate the card, you get a numerical grade, but your card's encapsulated and it's protected. So it's in a plastic case. So if you had the Gretzky there, I could slide it across the table to you. Again, obviously, you don't want to scratch up cases so forth, but it's encapsulated in there and their card is protected. So that's a big thing that people have. So when you have your collection, you just feel better about it. Mm. You don't have to worry about someone dropping it. Someone, And you can show it and you can share it. And now there's services all over. There's vaults, vaulting services where you can have, they store your cards, just like collectibles and art and everything else. So you get digital images. Like you could flip through someone's collection right here on the TV screen. I was going to, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. of the value. I was going to talk to you about NFTs too and your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm completely lost. Okay. And honestly, like I, I keep saying, like I missed, the, I missed the boat. Why didn't I get, like this isn't kind of in my space, but I'm like, it's I'm not a digital guy per se, but yeah. I feel like I missed the boat. Same as Bitcoin. Like when you think about those things, it's like, I go, it's not too late. It's not too. And maybe because I'm a lifelong collector as well. I just, it's just not for me. And I, Which I, is fine. I, I like tangible. Like I like having things in my hands. I think that's part of the collectability of it. Yeah. Um, you can, and again, all that, yes, you can do it. You can trade them. You can store them. You can get printouts. You can do all the stuff. I just don't, I've never taken the time to educate myself on it. And, uh, yeah, I get asked that question all the time. And I, do you? I, yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I know, I obviously, I understand what they are. I just, <laughs> my head just doesn't go to that space. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of. And it's complicated. I signed up and I was like, oh, I'm going to start to buy some of these things. I'm like, so I signed up for a company, Eurythium or whatever. And then I was going to buy it. And I was like, <laughs> I just got lost. <laughs> yeah, right? it's, it's a, there's a lot to it. Yeah. And that's the same, I guess, when I look at it, it's like, the service that I'm offering people that are lost on the card grading side of things. I want to make it easy for them. Like I want to talk to that 85 year old guy in Winnipeg just say, I, I, don't, I just want to get my card graded. Mm-hmm. No problem. You can just send it to me. There's a simplicity factor don't behind it. Don't fill out anything. Yeah. Take a picture of your card. Just send it to me and I'll take care of everything else for you. So that's very satisfying on that end of it. And you'd be amazed. Like we, we pick up packages all the time. We take them to our secure facility that we have here. Because um, when we're dealing with other people's property, you know, there's a lot of times you get packages coming in, but guys 
send a lot of stuff that <laughs> I don't even know who they are. I didn't even know it was coming. I pick up their box and I'm like, wow, like <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in here. I mean, it's a, it's big dollar values, right? Wow. So yeah, super cool. We got to do like a behind the scenes video with you just on a day to day. I think that would be really cool. Just seeing what you do yeah. and, and how you do it and how you go about it. Go to FedEx with you, pick up a box. Yeah. I don't know. I think it'd be cool. Yeah. That's and like, I can send that over. I can send to you guys too some of the links that, you know, when you asked, how do you want to get more knowledge in this space? And it, I mean, it's such a big part of it now, but there's certain people that you can follow out there that do a really, really good job. Of explaining it? Of explaining, yeah, explaining the whole collectible industry and what's going on. Like every day, there's about 10 guys that I watch their clips that post four or five times a week on YouTube. Um, so I'll go in and watch their episode because mm. it's all the breaking news, the new news, what's happening, what's here. You know, the biggest news this week uh, was the Logan Paul uh, Pokemon case. Oh, I saw that this morning, actually. Yeah. So like that's big news in the, in the, even though like we grade a ton of Pokemon cards, it's a huge business. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it's, but he paid 3.5 mil, right? Everyone has this though, Jeff. It's nothing special, buddy. So the, so you know what my, which is good. Like there could be. So this is what I always say instantly. Like most of those are 90. They look kind of like 99. Oh, that one's got to be worth something. <laughs> so there's the Pokemon, 1999 Pokemon Charizard, created PSA 10's 400,000. Do you have a Charizard in here? My brother mentioned that he went to a, a movie theater when he was a kid, and he got a, a shiny Mewtwo from the movie theater of all places, like a movie premiere. Absolutely. Like, and it was like his favorite card ever. It's not in that book. Oh, no. Yeah. That's his childhood memory, and he's like, I was going to a movie, and like that was the best card I ever got. I don't know where it was. I looked for it, but it was like oh. shining you too. Yeah. Like, if you're going to talk, get pull the mic up if you're talking. Yeah. Is it going your mic? <laughs> okay. Okay. But yeah, that's. So I can guarantee you, this is something that people should look for that would be listening to your podcast. There, 1999 was the first year for Pokemon's like first edition cards that came out. There was some other ones before that. There was um, Digimon, which digital Pokemon, yeah. uh, like uh, all kinds of different things. Pocket Monster. But 1999 is the year. In Halifax, there is 1999 first edition Charizards no. in people's collections in Halifax. They're, they're, they're all over. And a PSA 10's between 250,000 to half a million now for wow. PSA 10. Wow. And those cards are out here. In they, Halifax. They are definitely in Halifax. Within a 15-minute drive of me, for sure. Yeah. Wow. Like, they're there. And I always say to people, like, you might not be able to find the 1951 Parky, Gordie Howe, Rookie. Like, there's a, again, those st still come, but that's a lot of time. But people's Pokemon collections, people are buying the first edition packs here in 1999. Like, those cards are out there. I remember yeah. it. I, sorry, keep going. No, no, it's good. I remember in elementary, the Pokemon cards used to be so popular that they had to take them from kids because kids wouldn't be paying attention in school. They would have their Pokemon cards and they'd be hustling in school, in class, trading. Same with Marvels. Like it was, an, it was an actual problem. I remember like there was a parent-teacher meeting because of Pokemon cards. Yeah. Like kids weren't doing school. They were just learning how to sell, <laughs> which is honestly probably a good thing. They're learning to pitch and sell. 100%. But I just remember back then they were so popular. Like yeah. you, kids wouldn't... There was like theft issues too. Like his kids would go, let me see your pack. And then I'd say, let me see your pack. And then some kids would just, Boop. oh yeah, okay, here you go. <laughs> and I remember like there was an issue. Oh man, it was an, it was a huge thing back yeah. in the day. Huge. Yeah. No, it is. And, and it's still there now. Like when you talk about it from an educational standpoint, like we went up to the Toronto show and two 17 year old 
um, guys came up with me for this. This was their first experience. I said, come on up to the show and get to you. You're going to experience the four day national card show. And these guys, I said, you're going to make some money and they're buyers and flippers. So they said, well, give us the ropes. I'm just do what you do here. You, so they went around the show. They were buying a, buy a card for 100 flip it to this guy for 150 buy a card for 100 They probably both made five, 10 grand on the weekend from buying and selling and hustling. And you know what? And it teaches them all these things about business. Buy low, sell high, take your profits, take it off the table. So like when you look at that, it's it's such an educational thing. It's it's dollars and cents. Like, we, you know, we have a the trade night at AMG and we're starting another one that we're going to do just for children. For, children under 13 where they can come in and we'll, we'll monitor the transactions just to make sure that there's not too much, but it's, it's all about that. And they, how do I get that thousand dollar card now? It's like, well, I got to trade up and you hear that saying a lot with kids. Like I had a 10 year old in yesterday, 10 years old. And he was like, I'm going to trade up to get myself. And he wants a LeBron rookie. And I was like, yeah, you're going to trade up. And he's like, yeah, he goes right now. I said, what, what's your card at right now? And he showed me at a Carmelo Anthony and it's worth about a hundred bucks. And he goes, it's amazing when you think about it. At 10, he said, yeah, he goes, I started with five. And he told me how he got the Carmelo. So he started with five bucks. He bought cards from me out of the dollar box. He flipped them for 15. He goes, then I had an RJ Barrett card that I got for 15, went for 30. Told me the whole transaction, how he has this $100 card. So in his mind, he wants a LeBron that's 15K. But he's looking at it. I don't even know if he's registering the dollar and cents of it. But he's like, I got to do maybe about another 30 transactions and I can get that card. You know what I mean? It's, it's so nice to see this. And it's like, it's-, it's That kid's going to be all right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just he, he doesn't know it yet, but he's going to be all right. Absolutely. There's another young guy that's 17 here in Halifax. And he's been, you know, he hasn't had the easiest life, that's for sure. And more or less a couple of years ago, I gave him some product and said, yeah, you can just take it. He said, sell it and come back and see me. And I just had a good feeling about him. I said, worst case, I never see this kid again. He's gone. So he went and he did that. And I I mean, this guy has just turned his whole life around and he's a little hustler and he's out there making money and he's made a lot of money, like a lot of money by doing this. And every day, like there's a text message coming through. And now it's like, it was funny when we started, it was like, I bought a $20 card or the 50 or the $100 or the $100 box. Now it's like... Yeah, I bought that. I bought a case for ten grand. I razzed it for eleven. I made a thousand bucks yesterday, and I'm just like, and you're watching these transactions, and you're watching them go through, and it's educational, right? And so, it's like, how do you say to that kid, yeah, you got to go, got to go to school? And it's like, but he's already making, you know, two thousand bucks a day. Yeah, it's like if you're his parents, what do you, you know? <laughs> yeah, you got, let's, let's go spend a hundred k on your education to go to university to come yeah. out, and it's just it's tough right now. Yeah. You can't say that to these kids. Absolutely. So he found his way. So he's more or less now he's saying, I've realized I want to get into real estate. I said, I, you, you know what? Absolutely perfect for you. Because like, there's an evolution. You're going to come from cards, and who knows what's going to happen. The hobby's always going to be there. The collectibles are always the high-end stuff with the new money that's in there. It's always going to be around, and people just like cool stuff. Yeah. And it's always going to be there. But is there guys like, can he make 50, 100 grand a year buying and flipping like he has the past couple? You don't know, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> who knows? Maybe he can even make more when it's all said and done, but... Wow. Brad, this was awesome. Yeah. I, I, uh, oh, my mind's blown right now. I'm definitely <laughs> going to look into this uh, this business as, yeah. a, as a side hustle, I guess. That's uh, that's crazy. Yeah. So I look, I, 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 so I collect local guys as well. Like I always try to 
collect local cards of local players. Yeah. So I was going through your list. I was looking at the guys who I have cards. Like I'm like, yeah, I got pretty much everybody that I could have has cards. What do you mean list of? I, the list of all your guys' uh, podcasts. Oh yeah. So I was going through. I went through the whole thing. It was like what? I don't. Yeah, three, three some. How many? What number is that? Three sixty. Uh, this is three sixty eight. Yeah. Three sixty nine. So I've got a great Shane Bowers collection. Who's a good buddy. I mean, I grew up with his whole family. Oh yeah, and, he lives down the road, or his yeah. family does. Yeah. Yeah. Dad, they grew up in Herring Cove. I played with yeah. Peter, and and I know and played hockey with Scott, his dad. That's fine. Shane's great, but I have a great Shane Bowers collection. Oh, dude. <laughs> what about the Jake Sanford? Oh yeah, we got a Jake Sanford co- car- signed card over there. Does it degrade it if it's signed? <laughs> there you go. I'm going to see Jake today. Actually. Are you? Yeah. Oh, he's still here. I thought he was yeah, in Tampa. He, no, he's supposed to be. Back today, his text. He's got a bunch of those cards. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's a card collector. Is he? Yeah, I know he said he's something about shoes too. He's like he likes yeah. shoes, but yeah, I didn't know he's a card collector. That's funny. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's part of the evolution. The sh- sneaker craze. I mean, sneaker heads are everywhere. Yeah. So my daughter acquired her first investment pair of sneakers at Christmas. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. The we, ben, ben and Jerry. Nike's limited to sound about. We had a guy, you know, East Coast Kicks. They yeah. had like we had him on and. It, kind of similar to what you're talking about, like with the flipping game. Like it's 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 unbelievable with the kids he said that come into him and the amount of knowledge that they're giving to him. Is you know he's a thirty whatever year old man and Absolutely. these kids have the knowledge, man. It's yeah. unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Brad, I'd, uh, I want to thank. How much time are we at? How long was that? Jesus. So, sorry, I didn't even no, know. that was awesome. That was, yeah, you, you killed that. I cleaned the schedule till 1 o'clock. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I, it's funny because there's certain podcasts that I do with um, Jeremy. Usually his podcasts are two hours, which is Sports Cards Live, which he does a really good job. And he's got, he's really, he's based in um, Alberta. Oh, yeah. Um, his podcasts are, are all of card. Oh, yeah. But then there's, because I'm Carlos, Carlos is a very knowledgeable, educational guy I really like, but his podcast run like five hours. It's like he wants to be the longest since Friday nights. I was like, it's two in the morning. I didn't sleep. Well, I'll just jump on, have a little chat with them, and then go off. Right? So, <laughs> so, awesome. Well, Brad, like, thank you very much for coming on. You're welcome back anytime. If you don't want to come back, I'm going to force you. I got, we, <laughs> we still got to have these conversations. This was, uh, this was, this was yeah. awesome. I yeah. really do appreciate it. You guys time. do a great job, and uh, I appreciate being here. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, everyone, thank you for tuning in once again. Uh, it's Wednesday, halfway through the week. Uh, hump day, work hard, have fun, flip cards. Get out, enjoy the weather. Awesome. Whatever you got to do. We are out. Peace.